All right. Welcome to Blue Collar VC by Mucker Capital. Uh, I'm Eric Ronala, one of the founders of Mucker. This is Will Sue. And I'm Omar Hamoy, a partner here as well. So I think, you know, being that we are naming this uh, Blue Collar VC, one of, the, one of the things that would be interesting is just to talk about what that, what the, what the mon- what that mantra comes from and why, why we're calling a podcast Blue Collar VC and why we sort of consider ourselves to, to be in that vein. So it'd be great to hear from you guys as, as well as me, of course, a little bit here in terms of where, where that came from. Yeah, a lot of our, the firm's ethos when we were getting started was inspired uh, and the name actually was inspired by Thomas Edison, uh, and there are a bunch of things that we like about Edison. Uh, he had this—he had a very sort of uh, work-centered, hard work-centered, blue-collar work ethic, and uh, even has a ton of great quotes about hard work and success and what breeds success. Um, you know, one of the one of the ones that I love is that uh, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work, and. Uh, you know, he had this ethos around just uh, hard work and iteration. He created what was really the first industrial laboratory in the United States where he had all these other inventors come in and work with him almost as, uh, you know, uh, portfolio companies or co-founders in his lab. And they were just tinkering on things. And those guys ended up being called Edison's muckers because one of the things they were trying to work on was a, a better formulation for bricks. So they were in the mud and muck and Edison was already kind of famous at that point. Reporters saw them, took pictures and and you know, referred to them as his muckers, and that name stuck. But I think that was also emblematic of, of just uh, the hard work and sort of blue-collar ethos, always trying to invent new things, try new things. The, the other reason we like to call ourselves the blue-collar VCs is the type of entrepreneurs that we invest in. Um, it's very ostensibly we are in a secondary geography. Right? We're not in the middle of the valley where you know, there is tons of activity around venture and entrepreneurship. And the type of entrepreneurs we invest in are those who uh, don't necessarily have been in the venture or entrepreneur business their whole life. This is something they choose to do because they want to solve a problem rather than this is you know, a sexy path to create an amazing career and make billions of dollars. Right? They really view this as um, a bottom-up way to solve a problem, um, create a solution, build a great business, and then whatever the financial outcome might be, might, might be. And maybe they are still blue-collar at the end of the story, uh, but you know, they, they have achieved something they wanted to achieve. So it's more about the pedigree and a little bit sort of thinking about how important that is for, for our type of entrepreneurs versus, versus what you're gonna f- where we might find elsewhere. Yeah, certainly uh, we love to invest in the, you know, the Ivy League, the Stanford, the MIT entrepreneurs, but that's definitely not a prerequisite. For the majority of my entrepreneurs, um, I have no idea where they went to college. That's mm. not something I even ask in the first meeting. I ask about what they've done in the past. Why are they starting this company? I want to find interesting tidbits around how they problem solve, how hard they iterate, and how dedicated to the idea they are, and of course, how smart they are. But you know, just trying to find a checkbox around where they went to school, that's really, really unproductive as far as finding great entrepreneurs who are passionate about an idea and have a unique insight on what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. I mean, ultimately, we, that's not a thing we care a lot about is where someone went to school or, or even where they've worked or where they're from or, uh, or even how we met them. It's really about the unique insight they have and, and their ability to build a product or a business around it. I think, I mean, for me, one of the things, uh, just when I, when I heard the term blue collar VC, I think it, it, it's 
one of the things that that I, it struck me was, you know, it's sort of alluding to the just the amount of effort and hard work that goes there. Because of course, we're not blue collar. We're dealing with millions of dollars here, helping companies that are building large enterprises. And so we don't, we're not trying to like be appropriative of the term blue collar and pretend that we're out there sort of like, you know, doing all this sort of deep, deep labor. But at the same time, it really is in its own way, uh, sort of aspirational about the work that goes into those companies. So I just thought it was sort of pretty inspirational in that sense. Well, and I think at the beginning of the company building process, it is just a lot of work. Yeah. And it may not be blue collar work, yeah. you know, digging or working, you know, literally yeah. with, you know, with your hands. We invest in software companies, so yeah. maybe hardware companies. It yeah. is working with your hands. Keyboards. But keyboards. Keyboards. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but it is, it's, it's grueling hard work. Right. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I think the blue collar notion is in some sense like evocative of that, right? Yeah. Like how hard, it's just hard work. Yeah. And uh, most of the time it's not glamorous. And right. I think, there's like the tech crunch effect that uh, makes everyone think that being a startup founder is super glamorous because what they read on TechCrunch is uh, raising at unicorn valuations and exits and, you know, fancy VCs investing in the company. It all seems uh, celebratory of, and there are a lot of highs in the, you know, in the process, usually down the road, but a lot of times it's lows throughout the whole process and it doesn't work out. And that's, I think, what you know, what people don't see and especially the hard work, like the grueling hard work in the beginning. Yeah. And we, you alluded to this, Eric, like when, when we were talking before, but the, the name Mucker is weird. Um, <laughs> and I think people ask about it a lot. Can you, can you go back to that and touch on that again? Like in terms of like why, uh, why we called the firm that? Yeah. I mean, part of what Edison did, well, there are just a lot of things about Edison, uh, and his ethos around kind of hard work and, uh, continuing to try and try and try again. There's, there's so many great quotes about this, but what he did is also brought together this uh, group of other, they were really kind of inventors, tinkerers, uh, to work in his lab. And uh, what, and it was a true community. They actually all liked each other a lot. They would stay up until, you know, into the middle of the night tinkering on stuff and then just talking about uh, what they were working on. And they really enjoyed being around each other and they helped each other. Uh, and that was, that also is the kind of community that we wanted to build amongst entrepreneurs. Because it is a hard, you know, it can be hard and lonely. It's a, it can be fun, but having a community of entrepreneurs uh, literally under the same roof, we have a lot of the companies that go through our accelerator program working out of our office. That was a lot of what we wanted to do too. And, and uh, Edison was the first to really do that. Yeah. In fact, um, the, the muckers of Edison time consider themselves a fraternity. They call themselves the brotherhood of the muckers. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So... Moving on to a different topic, you know, despite the fact that we're, we're outside of Silicon Valley, when, when entrepreneurs have choices of where to raise money from, frequently it's a competitive process on the flip side, where investors really have to explain to entrepreneurs and give them an elevator pitch of why they should take you know, money from a particular one place or another. So what's the elevator pitch here? What would you guys say is the elevator pitch in Mucker? And I, I can certainly add my take on it, but love to hear uh. from you first. First and foremost, uh, we see ourselves as entrepreneurs first mm -hmm. and VCs second, and that's in multiple dimensions. The first dimension is obviously uh, all three of us here have started companies in the past yeah. and gone through their interest cycle to various uh, degrees of success. And that variance around success, I think, is important. We mm -hmm. know what it means to fail. We know what it means to succeed. We know what it means to struggle. We know what it means to have a number in our head, a number on our head, and that if we don't succeed, we face the consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Just like every entrepreneur. 
Um, the second dimension for me is uh, Mucker is an entrepreneurial venture. Right? Uh, Eric and I started this uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, um, and we started with our own money. Um, our first fund was slightly over a million dollars, and it took us three years to raise our first institutional venture fund, and even then it was under $15 million. So we grinded it out for four or five years to get to where we are today, mm. and success is often not overnight. Mm. Success is a long, long slog, and then all of a sudden something happens, and you seem like you achieved something great, but in reality, it took you a long time, and you're building one brick at a time. And the final brick looks like amazing, but mm. it really took a long time. And that's us. And we believe that that's the more typical entrepreneurial journey, mm -hmm. rather than the, I start a company, six months later, I have $50 million, and 12 months later, I sold the company for billions of dollars, and I'm on the cover of Times. Mm -hmm. That's one out of a few thousand. And maybe most of those people are in the Bay Area, but for us, it's really about hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat and, and getting to the next level one step at a time. Yeah. Well, and I think all three of us are the same this way, too, that it's hard for us, uh, you know, when I think about how we like to work with companies, it's hard to think about it in terms of, oh, we just write a check and then show up, you know, like every quarter or whatever um, and, and uh, you know, preside over a board meeting and then disappear again. We really like to work directly with companies at a high frequency on really tactical things. We like them working out of our office and they pop their heads in and we see them you know, all week long. We like to have weekly stand-ups or whatever it is or whatever frequency makes sense. But I think uh, you know, being as all of us have worked on products and taking them to market, uh, we just like that process and working with companies doing that and mm -hmm. helping them with that. So uh, we don't want to uh, just uh, you know, uh, lob a check into a company and then disappear. Right. I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, I know for me, in terms of where I valued help from my investors, and I think something we bring here also is just having people who've seen different parts of the story. And as your company grows, there's fewer and fewer people who've ever experienced that problem or dealt with that part of the story. And so in terms of what Will is saying about the various stages that we've been through, I think it's really important that we've actually seen companies go very, very far and deal with problems that fewer and fewer people have. And sometimes it's just a simple question, like who do I talk to about this problem that maybe 10 other entrepreneurs have dealt with like this decade? Um, and and you know, there, there's just a small group of people that have seen that. We talked about operating background a little bit, but like, can we be specific? Like, what maybe Eric, you can start and let us know sort of what 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 is the operating background that you rely on here? Sure, you mean my background? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, I started out as a software developer, mm -hmm. uh, and I was a you know mediocre software developer, and quickly uh, pivoted into more product and go to market, uh, and then helped start a company called MVP.com, which was uh, really back during the first internet boom. Uh, days, which I think is when all of us kind of started our careers and all of us ended up working on internet and software stuff right around that time. So uh, that was a classic dot-com boom days company. We raised like $70 million from Benchmark and a bunch of other folks to start an e-commerce company, which sounds ludicrous uh, today to you know, raise $70 million for it. Sounds e pretty normal business. today, actually. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again. It does sound ludicrous, Maybe, but not today. Yeah, again, <laughs> it sounds ludicrous. Uh, it's back. Uh, we're back. Yeah. Uh, uh, and rode that kind of up and down. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, after that, was lucky to uh, land at eBay kind of in the early 2000s and did a bunch of product and uh, kind of general management stuff there. 
ran the premium features business, which was all the add-on revenue. So features like uh, portfolio features like sponsored listings. So making listings pop up to the top of search results, anything really. And then we were, we started out just as auctions, but then added new selling formats, like a best offer format, uh, things like that. So anything to drive growth horizontally across the platform. Uh, then went to a company called TripAdvisor and uh, was the uh, first VP of product there. Uh, and then after that, um, you know, very serendipitously ended up um, investing a fund with a former eBay colleague in San Francisco called Harrison Metal. And that's really when I kind of transitioned over to investing. Uh, and, uh, and that was a, a seed stage fund, kind of, uh, kind of similar to what we're doing or what our seed uh, fund does. And uh, one of the earlier uh, seed stage funds in the Bay Area and, and ended up really loving uh, that the uh, craft or whatever you want to call it of investing. So, and working with really early stage companies. Yep. Well, you will. Um, uh, people ask me all the time uh, why I wanted to be a venture capitalist and what it means to be a good venture capitalist. And uh, I, I usually have the standard response, which is um, if if you ask me to direct the next Avengers movie, um, I wouldn't even know where the bleep to start. Right? I'm a pretty smart guy, have a lot of work experience, but geez, making a movie, I don't know. Right? And ironically, that's how I feel about venture. Mm -hmm. um, this is my first job as a venture capitalist. If this was my career goal, I would have spent five years at Sequoia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, learn from the best and then go become a VC on my own because mm -hmm. I actually learn it from the best. So I didn't do that. And I don't know what Sequoia does because it's obviously very magical. Uh, so the only way I can be a VC is actually not be a VC. Mm -hmm. And not being a VC means that uh, I try to focus on the operational and the tactical parts of building a company because you know strategy is two, three hours of a whiteboarding but execution is 10, 20 years of your life building a business. Mm -hmm. And every millimeter of kind of incremental improvement over that long haul can be tens of miles of eventual success above your competitor. Um, so back to my background. Uh, I spent uh, the last almost 20 years of my career across kind of every single stage of building a technology company. Um, I, uh, I started my first company a year out of college from Stanford at the age of slightly over 21. Uh, I raised $50 million in 18 months with a deck just because I'm from Stanford and I'm Asian and therefore I look like uh, Jerry Yang's little brother. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, pattern matching means that, oh, you're from, Ta you're from Taiwan, Jerry Yang's from Taiwan, you're from Stanford, you have an engineering degree, yeah. great. Here's $50 million. Uh, unfortunately for my investors, I was a terrible entrepreneur. Uh, I, I spent all their money and didn't make much too much progress. Um, and when the market crashed, I was actually fired by major VCs uh, for the lack of monetization that my, uh, my company was doing. Um, sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. yeah right? uh, we had a lot of users, mm -hmm. uh, lots of employees, and a bunch of charts goes up to the right except for revenue. Mm -hmm. and that's obviously is a little bit of a problem. Um, so I spent the next uh, 10 years after I got fired from, uh, from my uh, startup endeavor trying to redeem myself by building a more, uh, I guess, tactical career around building products and launching products and building revenue. 
my first job after business school was actually working for Eric at eBay. Uh, he was the only person out of the entirety of the barrier that would actually give me a job. Mm. Um, everybody looked at me as some dot-com kid who actually doesn't know how to do anything and will probably politic their way around them and uh, try to be their boss in six months. Um, thank God uh, Eric gave me a job because I probably would be unemployed still by now. Um, and then uh, I spent my time working in a few startups, Series A startups, Series C startups, and I eventually landed at AT&T after 2008, uh, running product for its uh, digital advertising division called AT&T Reacted, mm -hmm. where we grew revenue from about half a billion to about a billion and a half and managed about uh, three, 400 people. Mm -hmm. um, that was my big company experience, and it was great, it was fun. Uh, it was nice to really understand how to create leverage and how to use culture and strategy and uh, tactical kind of business planning to create impact on the business, but also kind of made me realize that uh, at the later stages, it's probably not where I want to be, and now I want to go back to my first love of being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and that's how we ended up at Mucker. Got it. Awesome. Well, I guess uh, I made you guys answer that question, so I'll... I'll uh be fair and answer it myself. Um, uh, I my background. Uh, I went to school here in LA. I went to UCLA, and after college, started a company. Uh, it was a consulting company, and I ended up starting four companies in and around the Santa Monica area. Um, before there was any sort of investors here, before there were, were the muckers of the world existed, there was no money. They were all bootstrapped. Um, hiring people was very difficult. Putting everything together was very difficult. And those companies, I would say, two of them had measured success. Two of them just didn't go anywhere. Um, in between, I would get re quote unquote regular jobs to try and pay for pay for my uh, pay for my entrepreneurial habit. Um, and then my fifth company was called AdMob. It's a mobile advertising network, and Sequoia um, invested in that company when it was just me, just one person. Um, I so I moved to the Bay Area and incubated AdMob at the Sequoia office, um, which was an incredible experience. And that grew in the Bay Area uh, for four years, uh, and then it was acquired by Google. Uh, it was a pretty large exit, 2009 timeframe. Um, then I moved back down to Southern California and then was recruited by Sequoia to join as a, as a partner on the venture team and spent six years doing that, um, but came back to Southern California yet again um, three years ago and obviously recently uh, fell, in, fell in with this Motley crew um, and now, uh, n now sort of going through the investing career here after a really long, long career um, as an entrepreneur. And I think similar to you, I, I didn't plan on being an investor. That's, it sort of happened. It, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, a trajectory. Um, and so the, the number of lots of failures, some successes, but the lessons learned, I think, are you know, what uh, I definitely rely on to, to do this and very focused on helping people build real, real businesses. Um, so with that, I think, you know, it's probably we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, unlike what most people or what I used to think about venture capitalists in general is they're just difficult to get a hold of, don't want to talk to anybody, too busy. I think um, here and probably in most places, we actually hopefully pride ourselves on trying to talk to as many people as possible. So do reach out, give us ideas for this. Give us your company ideas. You know, our emails are on the website. You can email us. We try to respond to every email we, we can. Um, and most importantly, uh, aside from sending us your ideas and comments and company business ideas as well, um, please stay tuned for the next episode of this podcast um, where we're going to cover uh, a, few more, a few more of the concepts we like to, to discuss here. And we look forward to chatting again with you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks.